Once upon a time, in a land far away. I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome for another Fifth Friday, not Fables This Time Fest. We're going to have to come up with like a different name that doesn't involve Fables. But, um, so welcome everyone to the live event. We had our Patreon patrons pick out our topic. And I was really surprised because obviously the suggestions that I give for uh, possible like episodes or for possible like live topics are things that I would love to talk about, but I'm not like ever quite sure if other people are as interested as I am in talking about them. And I was really surprised because our patrons picked plant stories. And the reason that surprised me, not, I mean, so Jeff and I, we did an episode for our Patreon that was about flower stories that were inside of The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen, because that was kind of like a whole section that is just like um, allusions to stories uh having to do with flowers that it kind of messes up the flow of the story of the snow queen. So when we did that episode, we kind of were like, okay, this messes up the flow. We'll skip them. So we did a whole, uh, Patreon episode on chess, the flower stories and people liked it. Like they, they liked it. Uh, but I didn't realize that they were hungering for more plant stories. (laughs) Yeah. Which is especially ironic because in our most recently released episode, I believe um, that I said that this is not a horticulture podcast. It's the one the one type of podcast that our podcast is not as a horticulture podcast. And lo and behold, here we are now doing more um, plant stories. I have more plant lore for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let that be a lesson to us to never come down with any hard stance about what this podcast is not. <laughs> <laughs> Note taken. So, um, first of all, and I mean, obviously when I picked this topic to talk about um, as like a possibility of a topic, I did not know how relevant to the news this topic was actually going to be, um, and today a lot of my newsfeed, I mean, obviously this isn't like the biggest world news, like in the world, but it's something that's <laughs> like a topic that you know, <laughs> comes across my for you page. Um, <laughs> but it is the story of a sycamore tree that was cut down in England. Um, that is along Hadrian's wall. I don't, want to get into like the history of England um, and Hadrian's wall, because like, this isn't not a topic that I know a whole lot about at this point. Um, Cause Katrina Hadrian's, doesn't think about the Roman empire on a daily basis. I, I unlike don't. some of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, the TikTok thing where it's like, how often do you think about the <laughs> Roman Empire? Um, but uh, so Hadrian's Wall, old wall, it was separating, I believe, Roman Empire from uh, <laughs> this. This wasn't a history podcast. <laughs> this isn't my area of expertise. Um, but yeah, the Roman Empire, the British Roman Empire, and what all the cultures that were like north of the wall at that time, because I believe Hadrian's Wall was built in like the 12th century, something like that. So I'm, I'm sure at some point in my life, I will do a a, a personal deep dive into it probably uh, soon. Uh, But 
This was. I feel like it was built way before then, but. Oh really? <clears throat> All right. Nobody listen to me. This is not a history podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. It is. Um, because it's like it, it was. Uh, it was begun during the reign of the Emperor Hadrian, which was in AD one twenty two. Oh, geez, I was very, I was very off. I was very wrong. I had no idea. Uh, but the tree itself that was cut down, the sycamore, was around 300-something years old. And it was really important to the people of that area just for numerous reasons. Uh, one that's getting cited a lot in uh, different news stories is that it was in, what, like the 1991 Robin Hood film? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, baby, where you got yeah. Got to see or had to see Kevin Costner's butt while he bathed nude in a waterfall. Yeah, that's what this tree will be remembered. No. <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> but so what's really sad about situations like this um, when I mean, not only is it vandalism, you know, people are being arrested like it's, um, you know, it's a thing. But also to the people who live there, like it. It's a loss. It's a loss of history. 300-year-old trees take a while to come back. Yeah, to, 300 years, by my estimation. Yeah. It's like once once they're cut down, and I was reading some things that people were saying that the um, – that the tree was a really healthy tree. And so they might be able to, um, regrow grant like grafts or something off of like the oh, tree, like just off of it. Yeah. So that technically the tree's DNA itself will still go on and could still like live on, but they were saying, right. But when it comes down to it, like it's not going to be a 300 year old tree for another yeah. 300 years. Like yeah. once once you cut it down. Um and the outcry uh of the people who live in England is very interesting for our topic today just because, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to think of folklore as something that is the past something that like doesn't necessarily like affect us or affect the culture of like the people where it's like oh folklore it's something that's really old and like oh like the stories we're going to be telling today about different plants are old but how people feel about those plants is not old people still are probably more connected uh, in a lot of folk ways to plants than they realize, mostly because of like, we eat. Surprise. Um, and how we feel about the the food, the plants that we like consume matters, how we feel like when we eat them, not only like comfort food wise, but also like medicinal purposes wise. It Like how we interact with plants, even on that like level still matters a lot. And um, some of the things that I was seeing about like the sycamore tree is that it was believed that, um, you know, spirits that not just the, I'm like, if it's the Fae, RIP those uh, kids who were vandalizing it. Um, but uh, other spirits that could act as gateways between heaven and earth are said to reside in sycamore trees. And so it's like, even if, whether you're a person who, you know, is upset because of like the historical value of tree, of the trees, like of the area, um, or you're upset because of the spiritual connection between the land and the trees and the people that inhabit that land and the other creatures that inhabit that, um, Sycamore trees are known for being trees that protect um, not just people, but like animals that they're very strong and sturdy in um, like storms. And so these trees as a symbol of protection, you know, being knocked down to the ground, it just symbolically very upsetting. So. Oh, yeah. It's. 
it was just interesting to me that like as much as, you know, people might think, oh, folklore, it's something that's in the past. No, <laughs> people still have very strong feelings um, about our connection to nature and animal life and to plant life. So, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting and pertinent connection. Thank you for listening to my rant. <laughs> I liked it. But no, I want to go back through because I'm like, people are writing interesting things. Um, yeah, iChan Art said, uh, I've been told gins live under some plants, so you shouldn't throw hot water on those particular plants. That's good advice. And so now, we're <laughs> yeah, trying Chris, to... Uh, <laughs> Crystal witnesses wonders. Asking, which plants? <laughs> yeah, which plants? We need details. <laughs> I don't want to piss off the gin. I'm, I'm with you 100% there. <laughs> if, if anyone knows what plants the gin live under, so we can... You know, I, I go around indiscriminately throwing hot water on all kinds of plants, so I don't want to accidentally do it to a plant that might have a gin in it. Yeah. And got another interesting comment. Super. Mosley.anet. Interesting learning about the folklore of the sycamore tree, particularly as it pertains to its protective qualities. I agree. I did not know that about sycamore trees. Yeah. Um, what's and really, now I do. What's really fascinating is how like each like each area will kind of have its own feelings about like whichever plants. There are stories about sycamore trees that appear in the Bible. But those sycamores are actually closer to fig trees. And, and so they have like different meanings and different connotations. And so it's like really, it, <laughs> it's really interesting when it's like digging into um, like what, what plants say to different cultures. Um, and I'm going to use that <laughs> as a segue. <laughs> <laughs> to segue me into talking about uh, citrons, uh, because we'll say they have, there's different citrons in different areas and then different stories and feelings about them. Um, so recently we did an episode. Um, oh, really quickly. Crystal Witnesses Wonder says, I'll avoid throwing hot water on plants from now on. <laughs> um, if, if anyone was doing that. Um, well, cause I know to kill some weeds, you do that. Or I mean, even mm. if you were done like cooking, I'm sorry, I like got off on the water now. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I was like done cooking something and I need to like strain off yeah. that water and I just dump like it out, out in a camp out or something. Yeah. Well, not going to do that anymore. I'm too scared of gin. <laughs> um, but anyway, citrons in one of our recent episodes, um, we, a really recent episode, because it was, what was it, part one of our The Tale of Tales by Jean-Baptiste de Basile. Um, we retold the story of the three citrons. Was that the first episode or the second one? It was all I believe the it was the second episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, people should listen to both. <laughs> um, but... In that story of the three citrons, we didn't stop to kind of talk about citrons. Um, Crystal Witnesses Wonder says it was part two. Um, we didn't stop to talk about citrons because it it was not the point of the episode. And as Jeff said, uh, we're not a horticulture podcast. No, I'm not getting into that plant stuff <laughs> on this podcast. No way. We have to draw the line somewhere. Oh, I love and that line is plant. Crystal witnesses wonder was like, I did a deep dive immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect. Uh, and I Chan art did a deep dive onto what my shirt says. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> in Jap it's funny cause it's Japanese, but it says like it's in Katakana, which is like the phonetic alphabet that often you write foreign words to Japanese in. And so it says, Reykjavik, which means Reykjavik, which is a city in Iceland, but it's in Japanese. And also it's got a puffin, like looking like Godzilla, stomping around. In front Reykjavik. of that chapel, like that church that's up in yeah. Iceland. And I got this, obviously in Reykjavik, when I was in Iceland, it was like having lived in Japan, 
And seeing the shirt, it was like, that was the perfect souvenir shirt for me. Yes, absolutely. An absolutely <laughs> perfect souvenir shirt. Huh. Um, so anyway, back to citrons. Um, so I want to talk really quick about uh, citrons. So since we are a storytelling podcast, <laughs> um, there is a story that involves citrons slash uh, apples in Greek mythology. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> boo, surprise. <laughs> so, um, shocked. Once upon a time, Zeus was a horn dog. Um, <laughs> also shocking. <laughs> um, so, Zeus, before he married Hera, he had been hooking up with some other people, going through various women as the stories go. But he finally, you know, had his eyes turned. Yes, once upon a time. He finally had his eyes turned towards Hera, and he was like, oh, she's really hot. I'd never thought about my sister before. Just kidding. I'm sure he always has. Um, but <laughs> but anyway, he was like, like, oh, hmm, I'm really interested in Hera. And Hera, being a very intelligent woman, was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't like that. Not this time. Um, I'm not interested in you. And so he was kind of like, oh, man, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so he turned himself into a bird. He turned himself into a, um, in some stories, it was a, a cuckoo bird. And Interesting. <laughs> cuckoo. Um, well, I mean, because of being crazy, but also cuckoo birds are uh, notorious for like, what do they call it? But they kick. Uh, they like go into nests of other birds and they throw all the eggs out of the other bird's nest and they lay eggs that they can like change to look like the eggs of the original bird and then they like basically force other birds to raise their young so they're they're kind of tricky little birds they're nest parasites uh, yes nest parasites and it's like i lost a lot of respect for cuckoo birds once i learned that i lost a lot of respect for cuckoo birds when i found that. um zeus also a nest parasite um yeah so yeah. He what what I thought was interesting about him turning himself into a bird was how often um, that motif shows up in stories, including the three citrons, where uh, the lady turns herself into a bird so that she can keep living. All that. Yeah. Um, so turns himself into a cuckoo bird and is like looking all sad and pathetic and so Hera takes him into her home thinking oh this poor little bird like let me help him out and depending on the version that you are reading and how they present it um he either essayed her or she was you know finally like gave into her lustful desires for him so depending on whether you want to be okay with them getting married or whether you want to be upset about <laughs> read that story, however, <laughs> suits you personally. Um, knowing how Zeus is in many other stories, I just, it's not like, mm, not great. But after that happens, he persuades her to marry him. And so when he persuades her to marry him, uh, you know, big wedding celebration and Gaia, their mother, gifts Hera a tree that had golden fruit. And so for a long time, that golden fruit was considered to be citron. And it wasn't later until like the story changed it to apples. A similar thing happens with like the mm -hmm. Adam and Eve story where at first it was considered it was most likely figs that were on uh, the tree in the Garden of Eden in that story until it changed to apples. 
Um, so citrons were a plant that were, oh, and then those apples uh, or the, the golden fruit. Hera's like tree with the golden fruit pops up in different stories, including like Hercules or Heracles's. Um, he had to go and get like three of these um, that were very well guarded. So these plants were considered to um, either grant like immortality, long life, um, and then later on, they were considered like to have special spirits that lived inside of them, which is relevant to the story that we told because when this like witch, it wasn't a hag and a crag, right? It was like <laughs> just a wise woman in an old tree or a <laughs> do you remember what it was, Jeff? I think it was a it was on the island of ogres. So I think she was an ogre. Oh, right, right, right. But yeah, this ogre was like, oh, here, and like gave out these uh, citrons and was like, oh, when you cut them open, a beautiful fairy is going to come out. Um, and that's what <laughs> witch in a ditch. Thank you. Crystal <laughs> um, Witnesses Wonder says citrons as the golden fruit makes so much more sense. Um, just when you thought it was safe to be good looking in Greece, never be good looking in Greece. Hercules is, is always there. Um, her, did I say Hercules is always there? Zeus. You did, but we know you Zeus meant Zeus. It's always there. Um, so these these fruit citrons, um, they are like a, a very old fruit that's found like all around. Um, in like in Asia, in what's considered like the Middle East or the Near East, the name of that area changes on depending on where you're located on the planet. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, now I'm just like, never eat soggy waffles. West the the Western Asian continent. Um, but yeah, they're kind of found all over and citrus any any fruit that is citrusy um is good for the human body if anybody's ever heard of scurvy <laughs> we need that vitamin c <laughs> citra like citrus fruits um are really good and they're also i didn't know this until it was pointing out citrus are evergreen plants and do, do, do. I'm wow. like, what do I have? I have a visual aid. <laughs> These are some broken off from uh, my tree outside. Because they grow nice little uh, they grow these like little shoots off of the bottom uh, because they're mm -hmm. plants. If you want to get fruit from them, you usually have to have like like edible fruit, you have to have grafted them onto like a citrus plant, but they'll still grow these little like root shoots um, off from the bottom where they're going to be trying to grow more bush, but it's not bush that'll grow um, fruit. And so you pull them off, fruit. but when you pull them off, they smell so good. Like the whole citrus plant smells like a uh, concentrated like the fruit. And so uh, they've always been um, seen as like one, a plant that's like evergreen, just like in marriage, your love should be evergreen. Your uh, relationship with each other should last and last and last. And so they've been this symbol for like good marriage, which I thought was really interesting knowing kind of after the fact um, of you retelling the story that, uh, you know, when they, when he was handed these citrons, it was like, Oh, citrons. He's trying to find a wife. He's trying to find a wife. Obviously his true love, his evergreen love is going to be inside of this citron. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Um, Crystal Witnesses Wonders was saying um, they're more sour and they have more pith than oranges and lemons, which, yeah, 
because people wanted the juice and stuff out of the oranges and lemons, we humans started to kind of the cultivate away from citrons. Um, they're great for zesting, but this segues into my next point. Um, cause I had started this by saying, Oh, these plants are viewed differently depending on what area of the world they're in. So there's a story from India that once the Buddha was walking along and, um, they have to be like given, I know monks traditionally, and I believe this started with like the Buddha had to be like given food. He couldn't just like, he be like working for it. It was kind of like whatever happened, whatever like came to him was what he, you know, could eat. And it was basically like the universe will take care of me as I'm trying to become one with like the universe. Um, that's a very quick overview <laughs> of, of that, um, how, how that process like works, but he found, um, under like a tree, a citron and he was like, Oh, this is good food. And he opened it up to eat it, but it was very, very bitter and not good to eat, which yeah, it's more pith than it is. Um, like fruit, what we would consider like the fruit, like the good to eat flesh, the flesh. Thank you. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so he was upset that it was, you know, really sour and like pithy and not that good to eat. And for a moment he contemplated cursing the citron, but Instead, he blessed it to look like the Buddha's hands. And if people look up um, Buddha's hand citron, you will find the most interesting looking uh, (laughs) citrus plant you've ever seen in your life. Because it basically, it either looks like... um, like fingers that are like splayed out or it looks like they are like curled in. And it's like, it looks like two hands together. Like I don't want people to think it's going to look like a five fingered hand. Um, It either like looks like, um, like many fingers kind of like extended out or ones curled in. And the ones that are curled in are ones that are often uh, left at um, Buddhist uh, temples because they're the ones that more resemble prayer hands and uh, like Buddha in the act of uh, prayer. And so those ones, they are like zero flesh on the inside, Uh, but they are, (laughs) they're considered great for zesting because there's so much outside of them. So much surface area. So much surface area that can be zested. And more recently in history, what people have done is they've cut it up into like, you know, little rounds because since it's shaped like the, like fingers, you can cut them into like these really small bite sized rounds and you, um, cook them down and then cover them in sugar so that then they are like sugar, sour, uh, citrus candies. Um, <laughs> I Chan Art says this looks more like Davy Jones than hands. Yeah, like a little that like octopus. Is they exactly are, what I thought when I saw it too. They are a weird, weird, weird looking plant. Um, but apparently, like they smell incredible, and so people will like leave them for offerings. Um, not just like in Buddhist places. Um, but on like other altars, um, spirit houses, those like type altars, um, or even like within their homes, the like altars that they have inside of their homes because it, they smell so incredible and amazing. Um, but it's interesting because it's like you have stories where if somebody's mentioning citrons, they're mentioning their area's citrons, the citrons that they have in their area. As opposed to, like, yeah, move over into Greece 
And those citrons, completely different citrons and a completely different take on it in mythology and like throughout stories. Yeah. Just the fact that they are different um, in different places is interesting. So yeah. But it's like the same name, which also fun fact that I saw in my 13 seconds of uh, Wikipedia was that like the Latin word for citron was citrus, which is what became kind of like the family name for all kinds of different citrus plants. It's like, hmm, interesting. Every citrus Plant. Never mind. I was going to do a, like a square rectangle kind of an analogy, but it really wouldn't work. So let's just move on, shall we? Indeed. So now we're going to jump to a completely different area while Jeff tells a story about, or a couple of stories, something about a really weird looking tree. And I, I have a visual aid. Uh, this is like a, a children's book and it's called Strange Trees. I know you can't read it because it's like backwards. Um, it says, and the stories behind them. And this is by Bernadette Porqui and Cecil Gambini. Um, but specifically, we're going to be talking about this tree. The Baobab tree. Which I had seen pictures of, but never heard the name of before today. So here is a fun story about the baobab tree from, I believe, Africa. Considering oh, that's where these grow. Do they grow anywhere else besides Africa? So, yeah, I was going to say there are several different varieties of them. The most varieties of them grow on Madagascar. Um, and But also in Africa... Um, Less so in South Africa. They all started dying out, um, and they couldn't figure out why. They think that it was uh, dehydration and drought, uh, because that was in the last, like, 50 years they started going in Southern Africa. But, um, like, pretty much, like, throughout, I believe it's mostly on the eastern side of the continent, but... A vast majority of the continent of Africa has at least a variety of baobo trees and then also some in um, Asia. But yeah, they're really crazy looking trees because of how like smooth and branchless they are at the bottom. And then suddenly they'll have right at the top all of these like branches that look crazy they call them the upside down tree because it looks like it's like suddenly a root system. And then they have these like tiny little leaves like that are looked completely disproportionate to like the entire tree. <laughs> anyway, so now that I've yeah, had a good laugh at that tree's expense. They're pretty crazy looking trees. Um, and there's a story about it and about why they look that way. Um, so it is said Oh, I also saw in this, again, while you were talking, I did a little Googling. And apparently they also grow in Australia. Did you mention Australia? I did not mention Australia. Yeah, apparently they grow in Australia, which is pretty cool. All right, so. Cool. According to the tale, the first baobab tree grew next to a small lake. And it grew taller and taller and taller until it started, until it got tall enough that it could see far enough away and started noticing all the other trees that were growing around. And it saw that some were tall, some were very, like, slender and thin. Some had, like, beautiful flowers. Others had these large, beautiful leaves. And then one day it happened to notice its own reflection in the lake. And uh, it was, quote, unquote, shocked to its root hairs by <laughs> what it had seen. It saw a huge, fat trunk covered in bark that looked like the wrinkled hide of an old elephant. Small, tiny leaves and pale, creamy flowers. Which is just how I feel whenever I catch sight of my reflection. <laughs> so the Baobab was very upset and started complaining to the, to the creator. It was like, why did you make me so ugly? Why couldn't you make me beautiful like this palm tree over here with its like super straight, slender trunk? Why'd you have to make me so big and fat? And it's like, wow, look at this 
flame tree. Look how beautiful all those flowers are on the flame tree. It's like, what about me? Why couldn't I have any flowers like that? And so on and on, the Baba tree went, wailing and bemoaning the bad deal it had been given. Uh, and when it spotted the fruit of the fig trees, <laughs> it, quote, it's ignig- indignation. That's a hard word to say. Yeah, I love it's that you were like, you're like, it, quote, that's the language of Balba, which when you translate it into modern English means uh, it's indignation knew no bounds. And so God was getting pretty tired of the Baobab tree complaining about all of these things and decided to silence the Baobab tree forever, which sounds like, you know, a mafia boss, like going to be like, we're going to silence gonna them. silence you forever. But, but what God, the creator did instead was came down ripped the baobab tree out of the earth and planted it back upside down. And so from that day on, the baobab tree could no longer see its reflection or complain. (laughs) And since then, it's been working in silence and paying off its ancient transgression by being the most useful and helpful tree around. Yeah. And this is kind of one of those like just so stories about one, yeah. kind of why the Baba tree looks so weird. I mean, it kind of looked weird to begin with, and that's why it was complaining, but it looks especially weird since it got planted upside down. But then also about why it's, like, so useful. Because I was reading about this before. I remember hearing about, it, like, the, one of the few things about the Baba tree that I know was, like, it's, like, a superfood in so many ways. Like, so many parts of uh, it, it, like, almost every part of this plant can be eaten, and it's, like, good for you. Did you Have you heard about this? Were you planning on talking about this? Yeah, no, I was going to talk about the the different uses of, like, the tree itself, but, like, yes, please. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, I, go for it. It's just, like, it's got a fruit that can be eaten. It's got parts that are high in vitamins. It's got, like, uh, other parts that have, like, high-quality proteins that are, like, easy absorbed by the body. And you, in, in my stuff that I've been looking into, it's, like, when you say high-quality protein, that means, like, it has, like, all of the essential amino acids that we need, which are the ones that, like, our body doesn't produce itself. Which is like, that's crazy because not a lot of plants do that. Yeah. And so to to live by a plant like this, like to live by a tree like this was so good and useful to the people. Because if, if there was an, ever like a shortage of anything else, of other food, and you had access to this plant, well, then all of a sudden, like you knew you were going to be okay you could get through whatever because you have some of the fruit from this plant. Um, But also the way, the reason why it's shaped the way that it is, is super fascinating because it soaks and soaks and soaks up water. It holds on to so much moisture and liquid, which can be tapped into by the people who are near it. Um, so that they can use some of it if they need it. Um, but also then in dry times, it will be shrinking back down, um, to, uh, as it's like, you know, using its water storage. And what happens is it creates this space, like in the middle of it, that is the, the storage and the expansion. And so Mm -hmm. whenever one of those trees dies, um, which they can live hundreds and hundreds of years, but whenever one dies, people can hollow out the middle of it. It stays standing. It's a solid, it's a solid tree. Wow. But they can hollow out the middle of it and people can either use it as shelter, um, you know, temporary protection from things or like a great spot to be while you're in the middle of like hunting or something. Um, but then they also would use that uh, that spot for graves of people who were on the fringes of society, but not not in like a bad way. It's not like a situation. It was these were people that they couldn't be buried. Um, it was like in the ground or um, in the waterways because they it like people who were considered almost people who lived in liminal spaces. And so they would use it um, as a place to bury these people. 
because the tree itself was a liminal space and you could, so you could like, you know, lay to rest these people that existed within your society in like a liminal space. I love, I chan art says the tree gets in the bikini body in hot weather. (laughs) It's hot tree summer. (laughs) Oh man. Um, and so like, yeah, it's like, they're super, super fascinating trees, which is why they look insane. Um, but so useful. And also I do want to go back to the story, Jeff, uh, just to talk about, I love stories where like people or creatures or whatever are comparing their bodies to others. And they're saying, well, Oh, why Uh does that? Um, I've read some stories, uh, about the desert in North America, like, uh, animals, I'm trying to remember which animal it was that was like just feeling really like down on itself. Um, I think I want to say it was like the jackrabbit or something Um, because just animals that they feel like, oh, well, this animal has this quality. It can fly really high or this one has this and they're comparing themselves and like whatever the creator deity is, is like getting so frustrated and fed up because he's like, I made you look this way for a reason. You have a beautiful purpose. (laughs) And how, Uh and how dare you be ungrateful for like the gifts that you have because they're not the same gifts somebody else has. Cause I think that that's a really useful message for like everybody of you have. And it's like, that's what we do. We all do that. Like we value the things that other people have that we don't more than the things that we have, you know, and it's like those things might be other people will looking at them and be like, oh, wow, I wish I was like that. Like, I'm sure everyone looks at my beautiful bald head and was like, I wish that he was bald. I mean, I wish that I I was just beautifully bald like him. I wish that all the time. I only say that because I see people with beautiful hair and I'm like. I wish I had hair. <laughs> no, I look at you all the time and I'm like, oh man, if only I could grow a beard like that. <laughs> You'd look great. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to look great like this. <laughs> and um, you do. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, I was fishing for compliments message. and I was really hoping I would catch something. Um, <laughs> you were designed for a divine purpose and you're fulfilling it wonderfully. Yeah. And if I complain about it too much, uh, the creator is going to come down and flip me over (laughs) (laughs) and make my butt, my face. Shut her up. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Uh, Uh. Oh man. Oh man. People are now wishing they had beautiful bookshelves behind them. Just I like wish we my, do. I wish my entire home was just one big bookshelf. Um, I I have hardcore bookshelf envy with a lot of people. I need you to know that right off screen this way and right off screen this way, there's zero books. It's so sad. Um, I wish every room was a bookshelf. <laughs> um, speaking the- of books. I was going to say there's another like kind of cute story about a baobab tree. Oh, yes, absolutely. In the same thing that you had sent me. So there was um, there were apparently different types of baobab trees, number one. But there's like one specific tree. This is kind of like it's not just like a type of tree, but a specific tree where it's kind of it's two baobab trees that have grown like twisted around one another. And so it's a story. And that's like that's a real tree that exists. And so there's kind of this story um, that exists. In, and this is in Madagascar to explain how that happened. And it is said that legend has it, which I like that it's like a legend. Cause you know, as we talked about in the definitions, we haven't talked about legends a lot lately, but it's like something that's like, it has these real elements, but then also elements that are like probably not real. Like if there's like dragons and stuff like that, but it may be like historical people and like this tree, these trees exist. So yeah, there's, it's, that's real. why it's a legend. The, the trees are real. The story Maybe it is. We'll see. Anyway, there were uh, two young folks, a young man and a young woman who were madly in love. They fell in love. They wanted to be together forever. But as it always happens, 
tradition dictated that they marry other people. Like it, they already were arranged to be married to specific people that were not one another in their respective villages. And so it was not meant to be. Um, but despite this, they continued to dream, even though they knew their love would be impossible. And they wanted to have a life together and have a child together. And so they secretly asked their God to help them. And so these two baobab trees were born and grew together across the centuries, entwined together as one and able to spend together, uh, spend time together forever, just as the couple had always wanted. It's like, oh, that's sweet. It's interesting to me how many stories there are like around the world of like humans that are turned into plants, usually as like a mercy or like a a showing of like a deep devotion to like each other. And so like that story is really sweet just because it is like these trees can live hundreds and hundreds of years so much longer than like the human lifespan and it's almost like you know we see trees that just you know it's like oh this tree has been here since my great-great-grandmother's been here i imagine uh, a love for myself that'll span like the centuries and even after like we're gone we can be like intertwined together Oh, yeah, yeah that's what Crystal Witnesses Water says. You could do a whole episode on lover trees. And we probably should. Or we would if this were a horticulture, horticulture podcast. And we had a lot of great comments come in. Many people um, telling me that people are that, suggesting that other people might be jealous how good I look without hair because not everyone has such a nicely shaped head as I do. Which, you know, I am very glad because before I shaved off my hair, I thought that I would have like a really weird shaped head. Cause when I was a kid, like a baby, I did have a really weird shaped head. So I was like, Oh man, like I'm not going to have hair and then it's going to be weird shaped and that's going to be awful. But that wasn't the case. My head is very well shaped to not have hair. So thankful for that. <laughs> and also speaking of gratitude, uh, Mosley.Annette said the Balbo tree really is very special. Thanks for these stories. And I second that because I had not heard these stories until Katrina found them and sent them to me. And I'm, Glad that I did and terrified that a ghost just ran into my lamp just off screen. The ghost must also have really loved these stories and wanted to make it known. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, I'm like, this is how ghost stories start. This is how cryptids, you know, sneak in. This is. <laughs> ah, that's what uh, th- I'm like. This is completely like off topic, <laughs> but I saw a, um, a rocket taking off a couple weeks ago and and from i think it had taken off from like 400 miles away something like that it had taken off a really and so at first everybody who was in the parking lot that i was in when this happened we were all really confused because where we were seeing this thing shooting straight into the air we're nowhere close to where something like that would happen which again we weren't it was like it took off like 400 miles away from us um Uh And so we were all really confused. And this one lady who was standing next to me in the parking lot, she was like, did you just see that glowing orb in the sky? And I was like, I didn't see a glowing orb. I saw what looked like a rocket. But I was like, this is and she was like, "Mm, agree to disagree. But (laughs) I'm like, this is this is how stories start, man. This is we're watching it. And now you're getting attacked by ghosts. Yeah. I am, um, which is super fascinating. I've been doing a lot of research about yokai, like Japanese. They're not ghosts, but like uh, spirits. They're not cryptids entities. either. That's the fascinating thing. They're kind of like spirits and whatever. And there's a lot of really interesting things about which we've talked about in so many ways before. But like how yokai come to be basically is like starts off as like some unexplained phenomenon that multiple people experience, like their lamps doing something, and then you know, that then evolves into like, like it's a thing that happens. And then that thing transforms into like a creature. And there's like kind of interesting power in being able to like identify that thing. And once you can identify it, once it has like a body and that's another thing too, like when you go back and you look, one of the reasons why yokai have become so popular 
uh, here I am just launching into the episode that we are going to record <laughs> in the future. But <laughs> like, one of this is the the, he's is researching our next episode, guys. <laughs> yeah, from a long way back, like they've been like drawings that they put in these like manuscripts or whatever of of yokai. And one of the things is like some of these drawings are like really funny looking, and that's kind of one of the the ways that people exert their power back over these like kind of scary and unknown and unfamiliar phenomena. It's like once it has a physical form, then you can like especially make that physical form kind of goofy and funny. And then you can like have power to just like disarm the scariness of it because it's like, Oh, it's this goofy little like creature. It's fascinating. I'm super excited to uh, do this episode. So there's a little teaser for you. Yeah. I'm so glad that your lamp attacked you so that we could get uh, off Me topic too. a little bit. <laughs> Such that is exactly how we are. So I was going to quickly mention, because I know that Instagram will kick us off in like five minutes, um, <laughs> like it did the last time. Um, but I was going to mention some items that are also plants that people that are inside of um, like a lot of folktale, fairy tales type of things that people might not think about as plants. And thank you, Crystal, for writing uh, Ridiculous. That's a spell that was in um, Harry Potter. And to make to make ridiculous the things that scare us. Ridiculous! That perfectly segues because I was going to say items that people don't think about as plants but are absolutely plants are wands and broomsticks. And the wood... Uh, that those are made out of are very important because of the symbolism that is inside of each of those. And I was going to ask really quick, does any like Harry Potter pop quiz? We don't normally talk about Harry Potter. Um, this is not a Harry Potter podcast podcast, but does anybody know what uh, Lord Voldemort's wand was made out of? Elm? Nope. That Harry's was Elm, I think, maybe. I think so. Um, his was made out of a yew tree. <gasps> Y-E-U. Which are trees that are normally found. Thank you. Crystal Witnesses Wonders knew. Um, which are trees that are normally found in cemeteries in England. Ooh. And they are a tree that is linked with the um, like with immortality and uh, like the cycles of life and death, which it's like absolutely the author knew this when she was like writing the story. And so, you know, that symbolism that exists for trees like inside of like England, um, you know, she added that into the story because, of course, um, Voldemort and the Tales was obsessed with the afterlife um, and reaching immortality himself. Like, he wanted to be immortal. He didn't want to ever die. Um, but historically, when people were talking about um, any kind of, like, magic that they were going to be doing, whether whether they considered themselves, you know, witches or wise women or just people who were like connected to um the earth and using it to heal because of course like we we know that <laughs> medicine and magic are the same. Uh, they're very like intertwined. And so, you know, people would have known historically the meaning behind these trees, which I think ties in very nicely with um, what we talked about at the beginning of the sycamore tree that mm. was cut down, that the people still in that area 
love that tree, are connected to that tree, know that that tree was um, imbued with the spiritual. Um, Crystal Witnesses Wonders also just mentioned that the Buddha achieved enlightenment under the Bodhi tree. And there are lots of different trees that are connected to like enlightenment. Um, Odin hung himself upside down from the world tree, Idrisil, so that he could achieve um, not quite and not the same concept as of enlightenment, but still that like that knowledge and that connectedness um, with the world. And so as we're finishing up this live, like I just want to say that as much as we think of folklore and how it pertains to like trees and plants and stuff as part of the old world and like, oh, this is what people a long time ago used to believe in. No, it's people still believe in these things. We are still connected to these plants and nature. We are... <laughs> We are part of the earth just as much as trees are part of the earth. We're all interconnected. Um, and so it was really interesting researching plants. Um, <laughs> Crystal Witnesses wonders, this is a horticulture podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? After this episode especially, <laughs> I have decided to go back on my hardline stance that this is not a horticulture podcast. And yes, officially... It is a horticulture podcast in addition to all the other kinds of podcasts that it is. Because I do think we should do more stuff about trees because that's just just in this short Instagram live. Learned so many fascinating things folklore related about trees. And I want to know more. Oh, yeah. No. And I won't be satisfied until we've done more. And it is like when you start like looking into all the trees, not just trees that are within um, world mythology tales, but um, – also, the trees that have sustained life, coconut trees, one of the most useful plants on the planet. Um, they're another one like the baobab tree that connects to like everything, uh, you know, that has so many uses for everybody. Um, and like chocolate. I'm like, we didn't even talk about chocolate. We didn't even talk about coffee. Um <laughs> and like, listen, they're very important plants in this world. Um, so yeah, we haven't even touched uh, how much we are involved folklorically with plants. So Jeff, any final thoughts? Oh, no, I'm going to immediately cut you off after I ask you that question to say to everybody, um, happy harvest moon. Tonight is the yeah. mid autumn moon festival, um, that takes place in Asia and Southeast Asia, um, celebrating, uh, other tales that involve trees and them peaches, uh, that grew on the tree of immortality that are very much tied to, uh, this story. Um, also I believe we've retold like a tale where a, um, a Bodhi tree, was it a Bodhi tree that, uh, like floated up into the sky and now you can see it, you know, on the face of the moon. So if you haven't gone out to look at the moon tonight, uh, I hope that you go out and look at it. Because it's like speaking of things that connect us to uh, ancestors and things of the past, uh, Grandmother Moon, she's she's been with uh, the humans for uh, millions and millions of years. So she's ever since the aliens put her there. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. The music starts and it goes into our outro. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Instagram live. <laughs> but on a serious note, yes, absolutely. Thank you for everybody for joining us for this Instagram live. It was wonderful. Yes, or Grandpa Moon, I Chan Art says, depending on your tradition. It's an ancestor. The moon is our ancestor that was not put there by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> But happy Mid-Autumn Moon Festival. Happy Harvest Moon. Uh, we're excited to be um, heading towards the dark half of the year where things get spooky. So thanks, everybody, for participating today. 
We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar